Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're all here. I think the countdown is in six days till Christmas. Can anybody? Uh, un- I can't believe can't it. Can't believe that. And it and it has been like cra- if you can get through the traffic between uh, the shoppers and the protesters in the <laughs> studio with us. We got Judge Richard Weinberg. We got Governor George Pataki. Governor, welcome to the studio. Thank you, John. Always great being on. Congresswoman, do I call you congressman or congresswoman? I'm totally okay with gender. All right. <laughs> gender identity. Congresswoman, the congressman, Nicole Mayotakis. Bravo. We're so happy to have uh, both and of you guys. By the way, my daughter gave me a problem. When I called her chairwoman of the Manhattan <laughs> GOP, she says, no, I'm chairman. Oh, okay. I don't know what that oh, means. Wow. And Craig Eaton, uh, 10 years GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and now one of the best uh, attorneys in uh, New York you, City. Thank you. Great to be here with the governor and our congresswoman. Yeah, and yeah, we're so thrilled else. to have you What's guys. The oh, the business. my what goodness. Do today? Well, boy, John, there's a lot of business that we got to talk about. Uh, this is incredible. Of all the things going on in New York and in the country, which all of you know all too well, we have Governor Hochul who signed a bill creating a commission to study reparations for descendants of New York slaves. Uh, going back, of course. Well, uh, let's call know, Rudy I mean, Washington. He says he was a descendant from George Washington. So doesn't he get, like, a lot of money based on that? But Governor Pataki, come on, of all the things happening right now in the state and the I country. Mean, we can't walk around safe, and we're doing reparations? You know what it is. Uh, I, I think Governor Hochul knows this isn't the right thing to do, but the Democratic political leadership are terrified of the left-wing activists, whether they're pro-Palestinian left-wing activists or pro-minority, pro-reparation activists. They're terrified of them. So rather than do the right thing, they just bend over to them, kowtow, and sign a bill that's just going to have the impact of driving more people out of New York State. I that's just, they're stupid. It's plain stupid. I just heard on the way over, New York State last year was number one in the country in losing people. We oh. lost over 100,000 people. And it just continues by dumb decisions in Albany and in the city council here in New York. How are they going to make the budget? Uh, uh, Very simple. You raise taxes, you cut cops, you defund the police, you raise taxes, and you tell everybody who really cares about this city, we don't care about you. It's just just terrible. And and we're not replacing them. Year after year. We're not going to replace the people that leave. No one else is coming back to New York. Yeah, who wants to with all this craziness? And Nicole Mellon, what's what's your reaction to this? Reparations. When I saw this, I thought of all the things to announce right now. I'm going to go against Turkey. Because I want reparations because of 400 years of slavery by uh, the Ottoman Empire with the Greeks. Yeah, you would get a lot of money for that, all right? I want to go after the Romans. <laughs> Hold on. I want to go after the Romans. Look, it's just more divisiveness. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Yes. They're dividing our society. I mean, to force a bunch of people who did not own slaves to now pay for people who were not slaves uh, what did Chairman Cox say? Yeah, what did Chairman? I mean, uh, Craig, I gave you Craig said, the information. Governor Hochul's decision to endorse this divisive and unproductive reparation study is misguided. Instead of focusing on the issues that truly matter to New Yorkers, like John just said, like our ongoing immigration crisis, crime, and the exodus of residents from our state, 
She's chosen to reopen old wounds and stoke racial tensions for political gain. I mean, that's well said. Yeah, well said. Uh, and Judge Weinberg, you've got to look. Number one, it's a political gambit. Number two, they tried it in California. And in California, they had the commission. They came back with a recommendation for a ridiculous amount of money. And the governor buried it. So that all it is is an attempt to do identity politics to rally Democrats. Are you, are you saying the, the great Gavin Newsom buried it? Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. That's probably because he had a $75 billion deficit. That's great. What a mess. By the way. Give now, or take a billion. Yeah, give or take. Now, Nicole, also, uh, speaking of other historic things, yesterday, the biggest amount of illegal migrants to cross our border in American history, 12,600. You've been fighting a lot on the border issue, fighting the good fight. Uh, this is not a number to be proud of. No, and, and the worst part is, is that so many of the Democrats in Washington seem to think there's no issue. There's no issue with all this fentanyl, all this human trafficking, all this sex trafficking, the fact that women and children are being raped along the journey. Doctors Without Borders came out with a report not too long ago where hundreds of women and children had to be treated for being raped between Colombia and Panama. And that's just between the Darien Gap. That, that's just that one area. Imagine the atrocities uh, and we're incentivizing people to continue to come over. And remember, everybody that crosses the border is paying the cartels thousands of dollars right. to be trafficked here. The cartels are making billions. They then in turn set up operations where they're selling drugs on our streets, poisoning Americans. Over 100,000 died last year. And uh, this president is allowing it to happen with his executive orders. And Chuck Schumer we're in New York here, and Chuck Schumer sees what is happening to his own city and does nothing about it. He hears the pleas from our mayor saying that this is destroying New York City. We see how New York City is going bankrupt. Right. Cops, we have a hiring freeze for police, school safety officers, across-the-board cuts, no more libraries on open on Sunday. And, and, the, and Senator Schumer does absolutely nothing about it. We in the House passed... Uh, in May, a bill, and our our center does nothing. Yeah, it is shameful. Well, joining us now is Professor Alan Dershowitz, of course, uh, the esteemed Harvard Law Professor Emeritus. Um, you know, The War Against Jews is your new book, uh, Bravo, another big bestseller. Professor Dershowitz, uh, highlighting on what Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis just talked about, um, I don't know if you saw this law. I say bravo to the Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott. He just came out with a new bill where he says it will be illegal, a state crime, if you cross the border illegally into Texas. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, okay, when is President Biden going to appeal this one? Because he seems to not want to do anything to, to protect the border. What do you think is going to happen, and who has jurisdiction over the border? Where, where do you see this going? Because I see it headed to the Supreme Court. It's heading to the Supreme Court if somebody has standing. The question is, does anybody have standing to challenge it? The law itself is probably unconstitutional. Uh, the, the Constitution gives complete authority to Congress over who comes into the United States and who doesn't come into the United States. Texas can have kind of mini rules about obviously who gets state services, uh, who goes to school, all of that. But the actual border is under the control of the federal government. But who is standing? Somebody has to prove that they are hurt by it directly. It probably has to be people who are close to the border or people who have been victims of crime. Um, But uh, it would be hard to get the case of the Supreme Court. But if it gets to the Supreme Court, uh, they will probably strike it down as unconstitutional, saying it's a federal issue, not a state issue. Remember, 
I never make predictions based on what I want to happen. I make my predictions based on my experience and my knowledge of the Constitution and what is likely to happen. Governor, any, any opinion of judge? Yeah, Alan, I think you're absolutely right. I think it is unconstitutional. I think it's a political statement by uh, by Texas to try to deal with this this problem. And as for standing and the case in controversy, as soon as they arrest somebody on this and start prosecuting them, that's when they'll have the a case. Governor Pataki, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, uh, my thoughts are, uh, Alan, I think you're right. It's unconstitutional. But as you said during your explanation, uh, Congress has the sole authority to pass the laws to control the border. Uh, they haven't passed the open border that Biden is allowing. So he is acting in violation of the laws that we have had on the books. Can't somebody bring a writ of mandamus or something compelling him to actually uphold the law? Well, that's a very interesting point, because the president is obligated to uphold existing law. And if there were a specific, specific statute that he was violating, there'd be a case for that. But, you know, open borders and border control are matters of degree, and courts don't like to get involved in matters of degree. I just wanted to get back for one second to the reparations, because, you know, uh, I think that um, um, the Jewish community can seek reparations. Uh, The United States government uh, killed hundreds of thousands of Jews by the State Department, violating the law and refusing to let Jews come in, including members of my own family. We have letters from members of my family saying they are seeking a visa they're within the rules of the visa. Remember, the visa allowed a certain amount of people to come in from Poland. And the State Department, with its vicious anti-Semites in charge of immigration, deliberately prevented Jews from even using up the existing quotas. And many, many of them died as the result. Uh, if you're going to start doing reparations, there are so many groups that have legitimate grievances against the United States government. Uh, obviously, the Chinese Exclusion Act the way we treated Asian Americans on the on the West Coast, without a doubt, detaining 110,000 Japanese Americans in camps. Um, this is a country that can't give reparations to one group without giving it to other groups as well. So I think reparations are a terrible idea. It's crazy. Uh, and Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, Congresswoman Maliotakis, you have a question back on border, I think, Steph. Well, look, I, I, I think uh, the governor is absolutely right. We had uh, we have passed the Border Security Act, which would restore the policies of the Trump administration that were quite frankly working, remain in Mexico, ending catch and release. Um, and and the question is, what can like what can Texas do? I mean, the reality is, is they try to put up their own barriers, and they were sued by this administration. The administration actually said, "No, you can't put up your own barriers uh, to stop this illegal immigration into your uh, into yeah. the country and into your state." I mean, what can Texas in these border are, states do? There are things that can be done. For example, Texas could probably pass a law um, uh, calling for the arrest of any person coming over the border who has an outstanding criminal charge against them in a foreign country and extradite them back to the foreign country. That's certainly a possibility, but that would deal only with people who have criminal charges against them. And there are many of those who are being sent across the border. It can handle this in a micro way, but not in a macro way. So in other words, issue by issue, professor, uh, they, they, uh, Texas has created, Excuse me. Texas, Texas has created a political document versus a document that, if it was specific, they would have been smarter to be able to get it done. That's right. 
That's right. If they had gone to a couple of focus areas and um, uh, limited to that, but when they tried to make it a crime to cross the border at all into the United States, that's that's they knew that was going to lose. Probably, probably. But you know, look, the American public, Democrats and Republicans, are outraged by the lack of, of border security and. You know, we know that Hamas is going to try to take send people to the United States. They've already done it to two countries in Europe. They've been arrested. And the Hamas violence is coming to a theater near you unless something is done. I mean, there are two things that have to be done. Israel has to defeat Hamas in the Middle East. But the United States has to protect its borders against Hamas infiltration, which is being planned as we speak. I guarantee you that Hamas is working at creating a fifth column in the United States. And they already have people in this country that are going to turn against the United States. Some of these useful idiots who are uh, <laughs> parading on college campuses that, who don't know the difference between Palestine and Palisades, they're going to they're going to be the ones who are going to start blowing yes. up uh, schools and churches and mosques and and uh, synagogues uh, if Professor, they don't like the brand of the mosque. Yeah. They have two million. Uh, people on the watch list, the FBI, the CIA, whoever, yeah, yeah. Is, two million people, Oof. but you only have a few thousand uh, FBI people watching them. Yeah, and hundreds yeah. of people on the terror so, watch list have been caught at the border, and there's 1.7 million gotaways. We don't know where some, they are in the that's country. The at some place, we're going to play the penalty. Yeah, there's going to be violence someplace. And yeah. What about all the people that were released from Bagram Air Base? With Afghanistan. Right. Where and, are they? And one of them turned out to be the guy who was the suicide bomber at Abbey Gate that killed 12 of our servicemen yeah, and yeah, women. Yeah, so that's a perfect yeah. example why you don't have uh, no control over. Before we let you go, Professor Dershowitz, um, yesterday there were all these uh, different like transportation hubs blocked. Uh, Port Authority, Grand Central, uh, the Penn Station we saw in the Moynihan uh, Terminal. All yep. these anti-Israel uh, protesters with these vile chants. What can we do? The other day, they blocked the uh, L.A. freeway. I mean, is there well, something we can be, do? There have to be arrests. Of course, there's something you can do. First Amendment does not protect blocking of access. And remember who the people who are organizing these things are. We used to call them communists. Now they have different names. They're socialists. They're workers' parties. They're this. But they are professional revolutionaries, and they're being paid, and they're being funded. Uh, and then the useful idiots join them. But the organizers are people who want to overthrow the government of the United States. They hook themselves onto every cause, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be back in the 1930s when the Communist Party tried to infiltrate the NAACP and other groups of that kind. So these professional radicals who are really in charge of these demonstrations, uh, ultimately their goal is to destroy uh, America, and they have to be arrested if they violate the law. And we have uh, have, uh, Governor Pataki here for you. Rita, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that they're breaking the law. These are illegal demonstrations, but we don't enforce the law. Since the Black Lives Matters demonstrations, and they didn't enforce the law then, they just allow these radical disruptors to get away with a crime. you cannot have a country if you don't uphold your laws. This is just another example of us failing to do that. And a final thoughts, Professor Dershowitz. Final thought is, look, uh, America will benefit enormously if Hamas is defeated and the world will be benefited enormously. And that's why the Biden administration cannot weaken its support for Israel as the on the on the basis of the fact that some radical left wing progressive woke Democrats are putting pressure on them. They cannot capitulate to that pressure. 
Thank you, Professor Dershowitz. Let's take a break Thank right you. now, and uh, we'll catch up uh, in, in, a, in a two minutes. Yeah, we will. <laughs> a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, so many things are happening today. Today, uh, the governor of Pennsylvania uh, vetoed a bill that was going to update some voting procedures in Pennsylvania. And since Pennsylvania is a swing state, uh, with us today is John Fund, former Wall Street Journal, I think current. Uh, yeah, he's with National Review National Online Review. and American and, Spectator. We and, got them all covered. <laughs> and uh, somebody that really knows what he's talking about. John Fund, what the heck is going on in Pennsylvania since that is a gigantic swing state? Well, when it comes to Pennsylvania voting officials, you could walk through their deepest competence and not get your ankles wet. Uh, <laughs> they they have made uh, they have made insanity sort of the state religion when it comes to voting. And here's what's happened: uh, as you know, the voter rolls are a mess. Uh, no company would ever market to the people on the voter registration list because they're so riddled with errors and outdated names. The best estimate is that one out of five, one out of six voter registrations in this country are outdated, invalid, or frankly, people who no longer exist. And it's a problem. It means that we really, really don't have confidence in our elections. Pennsylvania is one of the worst. There are neighborhoods in Philadelphia where there are more people registered to vote than the Census Bureau says are adults over the age of 18. So definitely a problem. What what has Pennsylvania done? It has announced that the big remodeling, the big renewal of their voting registration systems, which would at least elect, let counties talk to each other, would elect, allow updates of voter registrations, that's being delayed until after the 2024 election. Holy Even fact. though they've spent millions of dollars, and it's been five years in the making. Five years they've spent on this, and now they're delaying it until after 2024. Wow. That's ridiculous. I, I, how do you read that? I mean, look at the timing. To me, it's pretty transparent, John Fund. Well, what I read is that it's going to take four or five years for any problems that crop up in 2024 to be in, to be found, discovered, and analyzed. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Let's go back 20 years. 20 years ago, Pennsylvania got the current outdated voter registration system. And a lot of that was people would re-register their cars and they'd register to vote at the DMV. Well, here's what happened, and this came out in 2016 and 2017. Over the course of 20 years, between 10,000 and 100,000 people showed up at the DMV. They were green card holders or resident aliens. They were here in this country legally, but of course not allowed to register to vote or to vote. They had to present their documentation showing that they were here legally, but non-citizens. Later in the process, while getting their driver's license, they're shown a screen, you know, fill out these questions, a driver's test, and at the end it says, would you like to register to vote? So a lot of them said, well, if they ask me if I can register to vote, of course I'll say yes. So they say yes, and they're registered to vote. Now, this was only discovered by accident when officials in Philadelphia learned that they they had a sample of 220 people who were registered to vote who were non-citizens. 41% of them had actually voted. 
And this became a big scandal. The Secretary of State was forced to resign. Uh, a local law firm, uh, the Pacific, Inter- the Public Interest Legal Foundation, sued to get all of the information. You know, how did this happen? Who was responsible? Did they know about it? Was it conscious? Was it simple incompetence? They have fought the release of those records for seven years. It's still in federal court. They won't release the records. That's why we know it's whether we don't know whether it's ten thousand non-citizens were registered to vote illegally, or a hundred thousand, or maybe even more. Pennsylvania is a sinkhole of corruption and incompetence, and it's a swing state, as John says. This is outrageous, and this is very worrisome. Anything we can do about it, John Fund? I mean, well, the, the federal court is finally hearing the case in February. Um, if they can move quickly enough, and I think they're going to win the case on the facts, it's just the delaying tactics of the state that has kept this going for seven years, we will learn whether or not the officials in the state of Pennsylvania were actually aware of this problem and simply let it fester, because this was ha- this happened by a complete accident of fate, because a citizen noticed a box in a government building in Philadelphia that said, non-citizen voting files. Then that raised their suspicion, and they filed a FOIA request, and they got the information. So we may know in the spring if this was a conscious effort to manipulate the elections. If we do, uh, we have to have federal lawsuits immediately to try to monitor Pennsylvania to make sure this doesn't happen. If they're willing to put non-citizens on the voting rolls and 41% of them in a sample vote, that's a serious problem. What else are they doing we don't know about? Well, John Fund, stay on top of it. We want you to be back at WABC and keep us uh, in, in, uh, informed because this is a serious matter. You betcha. 2024 is going to be the most important election of our lifetime, and we have to do everything we can to ensure voter integrity. Thank you, John Fund. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank gotcha. you. Rita, I understand we have a, a, a special guest on the phone. Tell us what the heck is going on in the Red Sea. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Red Sea. And joining us now is Bill <laughs> Parker. Bill Parker uh, is a retired senior U.S. Naval officer. He commanded three warships. He's also the CEO of Parker Maritime. Bill Parker, uh, this is scary what's going on in the Red Sea right now because they are now saying uh, they created this task force, uh, the Biden administration, finally, after all the all the hits that we have been taking from these Iranian proxy groups. When are we going to have a spine? Rita, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and said it was time to go on offense then, and uh, and, and the time is now. And um, you, you certainly have the capability. We certainly have the uh, the folks that are trained and, and able to do this. Uh, but imagine that if we told Tom Brady, you and the offense are going to stay on the sidelines for the next uh, the next two games, and we're going to play defense only. And if the defense can't win it for you then uh, we're going to move on. That's where we're at. We're playing defense, and we need to start playing offense. Well, this is going to take uh, some of the ships uh, from British Petroleum and, and the rest of them have to go around Africa. It's going to take an extra two weeks. Now, let me tell you the effects on the oil market. The oil market went from $69 last week to 74 plus this week. That's $5 a, a barrel, uh, 100 million barrels a day. That's $500 million dollars a day uh is this a conspiracy to get the price of oil back up again because it was going down it was in the 60s already 
Well, uh, I don't know if it's a conspiracy. I mean, certainly those of us at Parker Maritime that are trying to build ships that are more uh, fuel efficient are, uh, are still pounding our, our hands on the desk on that one that we want uh, more efficient fuel ships. But the reality is that uh, this is a much bigger issue and it's impacting the, uh, the economy in a major way and will continue to because it's not just the cost of oil, as you well know, John. It's also all of those parts that are being moved over as well. Yeah, you know the other thing. By the way, insurance costs yeah. are huge too, right? I'm I mean, sure that insurance costs are going to double. Point zero seven to five percent. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah, but the one thing I want to bring up, John, to you is not only is it going to cost the shipping companies more money, it's going to cost consumers, of right? Of course, it is. I mean, if, that's if the it thing. goes up five dollars a barrel, right. it's going to cost. We're going to, we're going to, we are going to pay the yeah. price. Well, that might get Biden Governor, actually Governor do Pataki. something, and he's when he sees the gasoline prices going up. Bill, um, one of the first things Biden did when he took office was to take the Houthis off the terrorist list. Uh, that was absurd. They're a terrorist organization. Given now that he's created this task force that they've carried out these horrible act actions for weeks on end has he changed that are they now finally on the terrorism list i have not seen them added back on there yet but i will tell you with uh, hamas and others that iran has supported hitting u.s bases etc more than 50 times and then over 100 attacks on ships in the uh in the area in the red sea uh, we should be on the offensive right now. And uh, and again, we certainly have that capability. By the way, I want to tell everybody out there to your question, Governor Pataki, this was stunning. Just about an hour or two ago, John Kirby, the national security spokesperson at the White House, was asked that exact question. What are you going to do about the Hootsies? You took them off the terrorist watch right. list. Are you going to put them back on after 100 attacks to Americans? Guess what his answer was? I couldn't believe it. What? His answer was, well, we're looking at that. And they said, you're looking at it, aren't you? Even even like some, you know, uh, I think it was CBS or NBC said, aren't you going to put him back on the terrorist watches? We're evaluating that. He still is not sure what to do. You know, Bill, this this George Pataki, my opinion is this isn't the Houthis. It's they're trying to create a deal with Iran. Iran is obvious. The Houthis are a proxy for Iran. They're supplying them. They're giving them the weapons. And for whatever reason, this administration seems afraid to do anything that might upset the Iranians, despite the fact they're engaged in terrorism through their proxies all over the world. I mean, what they're doing is they're using terrorism to bring the price of oil back up. And somebody said to me, well, aren't the Yemenites and, and Saudi Arabia on different sides? When it comes to dollar bills, they're on the same side. That, that, Governor, Governor and John, you're, you're both absolutely right. They're both on the same side with that. Um, this has been a long, uh, long-growing issue with Iran for a while. And we even just need to go back and look at how we dealt with Afghanistan, how we dealt with Ukraine, and then the rest of the world is seeing blood in the water, and they're saying, you're not going to do anything about it. We're going to continue to go after things. The Houthis, really? I mean, we should be taking them out in about 12 and a half seconds yes. uh, and move on. <laughs> you know what our Navy is capable of if we gave them the green light? Bill, this is crazy. Absolutely. Okay, but 80, last question. 80, 87 attacks on U.S. bases. They're ramping up their attacks on our bases. What are we doing about Nothing. it? What is the White House doing about Nothing. it? Uh, they're, they're studying it's it, according to We're Kirby, right? It. Yes, isn't that amazing? So a year We're now, trying to figure over, it out. When the study's over in no, a year you're, from you're, now. You're, you're, you're spot on. You, you've got to <laughs> right. go on the offensive, yeah. and we should have done that a long time ago. We should have done that a month ago. Thank you. Uh, <sighs> uh, thank you, uh, Bill Parker. Bill Parker, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America. And if I don't talk to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank, thank you all. Thank you. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have a lot of stuff going on. At the end at 545, we got John Bolton 
on what the heck is going on. There's negotiations going on. Mm, yes. Uh, with Saudi Arabia, with Iran. What the heck is going on on that? We also have, uh, oh, the rabbi from Athens is here in he's, the studio. And he's going to talk about anti-Semitism uh, anti around the world. Well, around Europe, at least. Yes, for sure. And uh, I understand Vicky Palladino is going to come on and talk about, uh, what is it? She's going to talk about migrants and the cost to New York. And course, boy, course, are we course. being socked. All right, let's, <laughs> we're going to get it all done. Let's take a break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And so much on the migrant issue. Joining us is a member of the New York City Council there, Vicki Palladino. Uh, Vicki, we are so thrilled to have you here. Uh, the migrant issue is a huge issue. And we have with us also in the studio... New York Congresswoman, we love her, Nicole Maliotakis. Nicole, you've got a big question because there was a big firefight the oh, other night. Uh, Vicky, you got to <laughs> tell us what happened the other day in the city council. I saw that you and the left-wing lunatic running the council finance committee, Justin Brannon from Brooklyn, by the way, uh, area that I represent in Congress. Um, he, uh, you guys went at it, and he was trying to defend this all this spending on migrants. Oh yes, Nicole, you should have been there. It was something to see. Uh, it's like taking candy from a baby. You have to understand that Justin Brown, you know, Justin, I don't have to tell you anything. Uh, and first of all, we're dealing with a migrant crisis that my city council refuses to, uh, face facts that this is the reason why we, it's a direct result of the migrant spending. So, yes, indeed, uh, when I started to bring, you know, I waited, I wanted you to know, 11 hours was this uh, finance hearing, broken up into two parts. First half was five hours. My hand went up, it started at 10 a.m., my hand went up at uh, 10.30. They did not call on me until the, I was the second to last person that they called on. Because what I wanted to do was tell these whining crybabies that refuse to face the fact that because they don't, they truly do not believe the migrants have got anything to do, the $12 billion uh, that's going to be spent, they refuse to believe that that has what to do with budget cuts. So we are facing disastrous budget cuts as predicted, and now all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're talking about, uh, you know, the compost, uh, libraries, not making any sense at all. A hiring freeze for cops. And remember, people yeah, like Justin yeah, Brannon voted right. to defund the police. So they went that's from defunding right. the police. This is like a wish for them, right? They get to cut that's the police exactly and then right. it's unbelievable they're what they're doing. Um, disgusting. And raising property taxes at the same time. Disgusting. That is correct. You know what's 100%. interesting? Uh, Vicky, <laughs> and this is Rita. You know what's interesting is, is as Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis is talking about, why aren't they, uh, their own mayor? I mean, Mayor Eric Adams, uh, obviously, you know, he incentivized them to come, but he is sounding the alarm. I'll give him credit because he's saying, look how it is catastrophic. Don't they believe their own mayor? No, uh, they, uh, uh, what's her name? Caban said something ridiculous like, uh, we are the richest city in the world. And as the richest city in the world, why are we being, uh, compared to like, uh, a small, uh, country that's like Bangladesh or one of these ridiculous things? Her, her ideology, their ideology is so demented. 
it's 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 absolutely unbelievable. And all I tried to do was bring the fact forward that you guys knew this was going to happen. Mayor Adams, to his credit, did say and predicted eight months ago, nine months ago, that we were facing a four and a half billion dollar a year deficit, that this was unsustainable. Yet, nobody wants to turn these buses around and say enough is enough. So now we're looking down the barrel of a gun, exactly as predicted, and we are seeing everything from our seniors to our kids and everything that falls in between. It is cut. crazy. Let's go to it Craig Eaton. Vicki, this, this is Craig Eaton. I have a quick question for you. The New York City Council is going to vote on a controversial bill requiring NYPD to record more encounters with the public. What is oh, the New York yeah. City Council thinking? I mean, crime is up. No one wants to be a cop anymore. Um, they've nope. taken away all the rights of the police officers. And they're and down now we're gonna, thousands and, of cops. And now we're going to force we're them to, to be videotaped and, and record encounters. I mean, no one's going to want to be a cop anymore. No. We are, like I said, this is something that they have wanted to do from day one with this city council that got elected in 2021 and most got reelected again in 23. Their function was one thing. Is to go after our cops, crystal clear, to fund the police, and they did. Then we refunded the police a certain amount, and then they got pissed off at that. Excuse me. And now it's called. <laughs> you can say that. Sorry, it's called. It's called dismantle the p uh, the police. They have a toxic ideology, okay, and it demands that the police and jails are dismantled. And these bills that they're bringing forward tomorrow is another step towards that direction. They simply don't care what happens to the law-abiding residents of our city, and we are going to suffer the consequences. And who are they going to you call? Know, who, are, who are the city council members going to call when they feel threatened or they feel like they're getting robbed? Who are they going to call? Well, it's just like the way in Minneapolis. <laughs> bus, yeah. By the way, you can't make it up in Minneapolis, remember, where they defunded the police? Yeah. And then one of the city council people needed one, and two weeks later, yeah. wow, maybe we need police it's, after all. It's a disgrace. All. It's an absolute well, disgrace. You know, thank you. Thank you, Vicky yeah, Vicky, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank and, you, guys. Now Keep we up have the good fight. The senior rabbi in person, the senior rabbi of Athens, uh, Rabbi Negrin, uh, and uh, he's here mm-hmm. in the studio himself. Rabbi, welcome to our studio. Thank you, thank you. Good evening. It's and, a great honor being with you, and well, thank you for the opportunity. We thank got you. a full studio now, too. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about uh, uh, what's going on in Greece, with anti-Semitism, and your surrounding countries that you uh, work out of? Well, um, the Jews of Greece, we are one of the oldest uh, communities in Europe. We are talking about 2,400 years at least being there, coexisting uh, there. So what we are living today, it's something um, quite new. Now you know that... Um, Where is this anti-Semitism you, coming from? Is it being... Uh, well, the, this tell tell is, us what do you what is your gut feeling? What what do you say? And this is this is a very good question because um, Europe is an old lady, so we know that we have a lot of um, disabilities at the moment. So um, the European anti-Semitism that we live today, that we we experience, sorry, today, um, is something that uh, is not coming through religious uh, uh, origins, and uh, it doesn't have um, all the time. 
um, pure political uh, influences, but it's something that influences both the youth and the um, the academic uh, field at mm. the same time, which is something very, very interesting to see. So we have influence from uh, TikTok and influence from uh, uh, the universities. Um, but I have also to say that we can see a major difference between the countries. So, for example, the anti-Semitism that the French Jews are experiencing is much different than the anti-Semitism that the, the Greek in Jews. Way, so in, in Greece, we are very lucky to have a government that is supportive, a government that is protecting the, all the minorities inside them, also the Jewish minority. Uh, and of course, anti-Semitism in Greece is not what we say aggressive, is more, um, allow me to say vocal and not active. Um, mm-hmm. it's not aggressive against human, uh, human and where beings. Is it worse? In, in On France, the other hand, you see in, in France, France Strasbourg, Paris, uh, the Netherlands, you see England. active anti-Semitism. England, England, of course, and of course, unfortunately, USA. Um, we see anti-Semitism that is addressing human beings, is addressing uh, human lives, is addressing synagogues, not only cemeteries, but shops, uh, cafes. So we, we haven't seen this kind of anti-Semitism now, since 1940s Rabbi, and the Holocaust. Rabbi, uh, you wow. in America, you met in New York, while well, you're in New York now, with Archbishop Peter Fotos. Uh, and did you have a good meeting with him? Um, it was a great honor being with him. Uh, the relationship with the ecumenical patriarch in general is always uh, flourishing. And um, Archbishop Elpidophoros is always uh, a supporter of peace and a supporter of stability. Uh, so we had a very uh, And he's a supporter fruitful... of the Jewish community and, uh, exactly, exactly. and the ecumenical patriarch. Um, Archdiocese of, of USA yes. has a long history um, of um, walking along with the Jewish community um, from the beginning uh, till today. And he still um, has a, a very important representative that he does. He continues the same tradition. I know, because he's got some rag newspapers, like all the rag newspapers mm-hmm. going after him for X, Y, and Z. I mean, but that's these these newspapers, and, and whether it's in mm. Greece or whether it's in Washington – it's they always have an agenda of give us more advertising. Maybe we won't talk back bad about you. You know, have you say have you, you know, suffered look, that? Um, I'll answer to you with a phrase that my grandmother used to say that uh, they throw stones only to the trees that they bury fruits. So, hmm. yeah, that's my answer to that. Oh, we love that. <laughs> I love your grandmother, grandmother's Thank you, phrase. That's great. Well, well, Rabbi, whatever yeah, we can that. do for you in the, in Thank the United you. States and New York, please call upon us. And I look forward to uh, visiting with you when uh, uh, we're in Greece. How please, about, you're mostly welcome. Yeah, and and uh, Governor Pataki here, we're next to you, is uh, from Hungary. And uh, is any anti-Semitism in Hungary? Actually, it's a it's a one of the sa- safest places for Jews in, in Europe right now, and uh, the Hungarian government's very proud of that. But John, you know, I did my DNA, and <laughs> I have some Greek in me too. You oh, know, oh, you uh, do. I, 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 I have a significant chunk of what Greek, percentage? So. By the way, what percentage? It was like twelve or thirteen percent. Like oh wow. one eighth Greek. Yeah, oh, my my nice. grandfather on my mother's side, and I'm six percent Jewish. 
Yeah, so there you go. What diversity we have. Yeah, really. This diversity. is the UN Three here. Greeks and-, <laughs> and remember, if you watch my big fat Greek wedding, it yeah. was there's and those all- who are Greek and those who wish they were Greek. Yeah, I wish right? I was Greek. All- <laughs> <we're all> gonna- <laughs> I feel like I am we're with all- you guys all the time. We're all going to owe reparations regardless of our background once New York gets Absolutely. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Thank right. you, Rabbi, for being here, and thank you, uh, Governor. And uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have, uh, we have Ambassador John Bolton, Now, tell us what the heck is going on with all these negotiations that the Secretary of State is doing on behalf of the President. And uh, let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Lots of deals being made around the world. And this comes as I've never seen the world so tumultuous, at least in modern times, and joining us now to talk about all the things that are happening and what the Biden administration probably isn't doing is Ambassador John Bolton. Uh, Ambassador, what a mess we are in right now. I, I, I look at, I've never, it's like the world's on fire between Ukraine, Israel, everything that's going on. The ambassador is one knowledgeable person. I mean, you have our Secretary of State, he's going to Saudi, he's going to Iran, he's going uh, to Israel. What the heck is he going on? I mean, if anybody knows, you know, Ambassador. Well, thanks. Glad to be with you again. Look, I, I think the administration is missing the bubble here on both the war in Ukraine and, and the war in the Middle East. And I think right now, one thing that should concern us all is uh, that what is coming to be the closure of the Red Sea to international maritime traffic. BP has said it's not going to send its tankers through. Several of the big commercial shipping lines have done the same. Uh, And the Houthis, the people who are firing missiles and drones at these uh, massive ships going through the Red Sea to the Suez Canal, if they close that waterway to traffic, 12% of the world's commerce is affected. Energy prices could skyrocket. uh, And the Houthis have said quite explicitly, we're doing this to help Hamas against Israel. Now, the, the United States has uh, has tried to put together a maritime escort force. That's fine. But until the Houthis pay a price for firing these drones and missiles, they'll continue to do it. And until Iran pays a price, uh, they'll continue to supply the Houthis. So there there is a direct uh, uh, impact of this war in the Middle East on America, about which for over two months we've done next to nothing. Mr. Ambassador, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again, sir. What is behind the delusion of this administration, the Obama administration, to see about making a deal with Iran? Why do they think they're ever going to have a realistic deal? Well, I think it's a kind of theology with them. That's why they entered the 2015 nuclear deal, which was a sweetheart deal for Iran from the beginning. It's why they've uh, tried to bribe the regime with uh, with releasing $6 billion of assets to get five American hostages who were unjustly detained from the beginning, released by the Iranians some months ago. Uh, and why, in addition to not taking effective action to keep uh, the Red Sea open to freedom of the seas, we've watched in the past uh, two months since, since the attack uh, by Hamas, Uh, at least 90 incidents in Syria and Iraq where American military or civilian personnel have been attacked by Shia militia groups, to which we have responded all of five or six times uh, with pinprick strikes inside Syria or Iraq. We have never yet made the Iranians pay the cost, all out of fear that they will be upset with us 
that we won't be able to go back into the 2015 nuclear deal, uh, and, and and that somehow or another the the uh, that that Hamas will be deterred from cutting a deal with Israel. I mean, I think the whole thing is delusional. Yeah, you know what, uh, Ambassador John Bolton, this is shocking. I want to go back to what um, Governor Pataki, who's in studio with us, and also Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, uh, we were talking about it earlier. This, to me, is an amazing moment. Just about an hour or two ago, John Kirby at the White House in the White House press briefing was asked an obvious question. Why did the Biden administration in 2021, they took the Hootsies who are firing at us and all these other ships in the Red Sea, they took them off the terrorist watch list. I mean, why in God's green name would you do that? And now after all these attacks, we've had almost a 100 attacks, they have not even hurried up and put them back on Given everything we're seeing, Iran is backing them, Iran is backing Hamas, Iran is backing Hezbollah. Uh, I mean, it, it to me it would be an obvious. I would put them back on in five seconds. I wouldn't have taken them off. Why? And, no, and, you're, he, you're, and he still struggled with the answer. Yeah, no, you're look, you're exactly right. And in fact, I have an op-ed in the Washington Post tomorrow that makes <laughs> exactly the point you just made about the Houthis. Uh, they were taken off because uh, the Houthis have gotten somehow this international uh, aura of being the victims of Saudi Arabia and, and and the United Arab Emirates as if they have a humanitarian need that that others don't have. Whereas, in fact, the only reason the Houthis have any capabilities at all, either in the civil war in Yemen or against our ships and commercial traffic in the Red Sea, is because the Iranians arm them, equip them, train them and finance them. I mean, this is very straightforward. And it's part all of this is part of what the Iranians called the Ring of Fire strategy around Israel, designed by Qasem Soleimani, no longer with us, thanks to the United States. Ambassador, let me ask you this question. How hard would it be if we engaged with the Houthis and took them out? Is this a big military deal? Well, I don't think so, but they're they're a pretty mobile group. I think the many of the uh, missiles that they're launching come from mobile sites so they can fire a few and then take off. But it's it's not impossible, and uh, we're pretty good at finding locations like that. But I say again, after we let the Houthis know uh, in no uncertain terms we don't uh, want to see any more of the, these attacks on ships in the Red Sea, I think in Iran they need to pay a price too. The Iranians think the Houthis, Hamas, the Iraqi Shia groups are expendable. Uh, the Iranians themselves, they think, are not expendable. So I think uh, hitting targets in Iran not to overthrow the regime, let's everybody not get excited, but to go after and make them pay a price helps establish deterrence. If we don't do that, uh, military officers have been quoted uh, anonymously in the past couple of days saying the only reason we've escaped a mass casualty incident is luck. And luck is not a strategy. We're inviting Americans to be killed by the Iranians, and maybe then we'll respond. That's not good enough. We need to established deterrence now to prevent harm to Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ambassador, uh, uh, the fact that oil was headed down, down, it was down to $69 a barrel in the States. And because of this Red Sea crisis, it's up to $74, $75 a barrel. I mean, it, it makes all the OPEC nations richer by $5 a barrel. I mean, is this coincidence or is this they'll leave it let the hoodies do what they want to do 
Well, it's certainly good for Iran and for Russia. There's no no doubt about that as well. And and uh, you know, really, because because at least some ships had been transiting through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. I think a true cutoff, and we we may not be at that point, but I've got to believe. Uh, and John, you you would know this for sure that maritime insurance rates must be going through the ceiling. Yep. So if if they can effectively close the Red Sea, uh, I think energy prices are going to go up even higher than that. Wow. I think, Ambassador, you're 100% right. Uh, it's going to mm. take, it takes two weeks to go around uh, Africa to get to their destination, and that right. adds a lot of cost. It's disgusting. And by the way, John, I want to repeat what we've talked about and also, Gov, too. I, Russia making more money is helping to fund Iran their war machine, and Iran making more money is funding their war machine. Yeah. That is so dangerous. Well, thank you, Ambassador Bolton. Look forward to seeing you soon. And, Governor? Yeah, it's like four days to Christmas or five days to Christmas. We should end on some good news. Tell me the rock yeah, give us center some. Christmas tree is the prettiest one I have seen in years. The Rock it Center? Is. The Rock, the rock yes. Center Christmas tree. I can't it's get through the traffic yet to get to it, but I'm going to try. Uh, last, last, last week I lit the menorah. <laughs> That's right. And uh, the tree is beautiful. And thank you, Judge Weinberg. And thank you, Governor Pataki, Congresswoman or Congressman Nicole Mayotakis. And, and Craig, Craig Eaton. Eaton. And, and by the way, can Rita I say, Cosby. I'm going to be listening to some Polish Christmas music because I'm going to the Polish consulate tonight. So I'm going to end on that I, happy I note, too. Forward, uh, I, I work, I'm going to the uh, Greek. I know. I love that. I love that. How thank you so much. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need a blessing.